12 through 16 is more uh, practical Christianity. Practical Christian living. Chapters 1 through 8, and especially 6, 7, and 8, we've seen how the Holy Spirit works in our personal hearts and lives in order to bring about sanctification, to grow us in the sanctification, really to progress us. There's no progression through the sanctification process if you don't do it God's way. So for most Christians, that's exactly what you see. They're saved, they love the Lord with all of their heart, but there's no progression in the sanctification process. There's no becoming more Christ-like it's just the same old, but they love the Lord. They're saved. They love God with all their hearts. They go to church. I mean, everything. They'll even have a prayer life, spend time in the Word. But in their daily walk, in their daily life, there's no progression. There's no being purified. There's no being made into the image of Christ because they don't. They don't approach it God's way, so they tie the hands of the Holy Spirit to work in their heart and in their life because the work of the Holy Spirit is not automatic. If it were, none of us would ever sin. So it can't be automatic. So we do have to participate. We've got to participate, that's right. And we do that by placing our faith in Christ and the finished work of Calvary. So, now that you've seen all of that, you've learned God's redemption plan for sanctification especially, how the Holy Spirit works in it, now that you know that, chapter 12. This is what, if you're operating in it correctly, this is what you should be seeing in your life. Therefore, if you do not see this in your life, not perfectly, but if you do not see this in your life and you see the opposite, then what does that tell you? The problem is that you're not applying six, seven, Romans 6, 7, and 8 correctly. Yeah. And that's why you're not seeing chapters 12, 13, 14. That's why you're not seeing that. So it always goes back to that. That's why Paul gives you, he goes and takes you to Christ and what he did first, and then brings you to correction on what things that should be happening. You see that in all of Paul's books just about. You have doctrine in the sense of Christ, the cross, this is what you have in Christ, this is who you are in Christ, this is what's been done for you in Christ. And then on the back side, you see, this is what should be happening in your daily life. So, uh, does everybody, is there any questions before we move? That's how I want you to look at 12, 13, 14, 15. That, alright, this is going to be practical Christianity, practical Christian living in my daily life. At the same time, we, we all know that we're, we're going to get our toes stepped on. Because it's practical Christianity, and we're all in the process. And uh, unless you're Jesus, uh, you haven't got this down uh, yet. So, <laughs> Romans chapter twelve, and we're going the the first paragraph. 
heading is going to be a new way of thinking. A new way of thinking, verses 1 through 2. A new way of thinking, verses 1 through 2. And I'm going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 2. So if you're there in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, say amen. 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 I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So, Paul is now telling us how we should conduct ourselves as believers. That's what we're getting into. In Romans chapter 7, we are told it is through our physical members of our bodies in which sin and disobedience are carried out. In Romans 8, we are told how the Holy Spirit gives us victory according to what Jesus did for us at Calvary in the resurrection, which is outlined in Romans chapter 6. Now Paul comes to the practicalities of living for God. Paul does not tell them to do anything. Instead, he begs them, which is basically what the word beseech. Paul does not command, he beseeches. Big difference. Yeah. And if there's anyone that we would say could have just straight up commanded someone who would be Paul. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul had probably the best understanding of the work of Calvary than anyone that's ever lived. Besides Christ, of course. (laughs) But, But yet, Paul himself doesn't command anything. He says, I beg you, Brother, I beg you, sister. Law commands, grace does not. The grace of God doesn't necessarily command you to do anything. But it, in a sense, encourages you because of the goodness of God. So Paul just simply, I beg you, brother, sister. I beg you. Paul beseeches by the mercies of God, which speaks of the sanctification, justification, and glorification of the believer. We didn't earn anything. It was given because of the mercies of God. In view of the fact that we are justified people, righteous before God because of Christ, because we are objects of the Holy Spirit's work of sanctification, Because one day we will be glorified. Present your bodies. That's what Paul says next in verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. He doesn't say, you 
have to present your body a living sacrifice or else God is done with you. He doesn't say that. Give in line. You. He doesn't do that. I beg you, brother, sister, because of what Christ has already done, because of who you are in Christ, because that you're justified by faith, because that in the eyes of God, you are righteous as though you've never sinned because of that fact. Because that Christ made you that way. Not because you did anything, but because Christ did that for you. And you have it. Imputed righteousness. That you have the perfect righteousness of God right now. Because Christ died to give you that. And you currently have that position in Christ. Before the Father. Because Christ has made a way for you to be sanctified. Which before you didn't have that. Because you now have the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit in your own personal heart and life. Because of Jesus. Because of what He's done. And one day, because of what Christ has done, you're going to be glorified. You're going to be just like Him. Because... You have all of this in Christ Jesus. I beg you. Present your bodies. Present your bodies to God. A living sacrifice. Because of everything that He's done for you. Not because if you do it, you earn something. Not because if you do it, you're a better Christian than such and such. Not because if you don't do this, God is going to throw you away. Not because you lose your righteousness if you don't do this. Right. But because you do have it. Free. Yeah. You didn't have to pay anything to get it. You just believed in Christ. Because all of that is true. I beg you. Present means to place beside or near, to present, to offer, to put at one's disposal. In the Levitical sacrifices of old, the offerer, the one offering the sacrifice, placed his offerings so as to face the most holy place, thus bringing it before the Lord. That's how we're meant to present our bodies. And then it says a living sacrifice, which is a bit confusing. In the Bible, if something was a sacrifice, it was dead. So, but a living sacrifice. Well, how is that possible? A living sacrifice. The only way to be a living sacrifice is in Christ Jesus. What did we learn about Romans chapter 6? That you've been baptized into Christ. Which means you've been baptized into His what? Death. Which means in Christ you have been crucified. You're dead. But also in Christ you are alive. 
So in Christ you're dead. So just get really good at being a living dead person. <laughs> because you are alive, but in Christ you're dead. What do you mean dead? Dead to the old man. Dead to sin. Dead to the sin nature. Dead to the old way of thinking. Dead to the old tanner. Dead to the world. Dead to the flesh. In Christ, I'm dead to all of this. In Christ, I am a living sacrifice. I've died in Christ, been buried with Him, and raised from the dead. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I'm dead in Christ, and I'm alive in Christ. Dead to the old man. Therefore, I'm a sacrifice, but a living one. Because I'm dead in Christ, but I'm not physically dead. Yeah. So I present my body, this vessel, as a sacrifice to God that's living, but I'm dead in Christ. Because that's really the only way that I can present my body to be used by God. Because that's the only way to live for God. And the next part we see where it says, Present your bodies a living sacrifice holy. If I'm not living according to what I have in Christ, if I'm not living as a crucified man in Christ, what I won't see is holy. Yeah, yeah that's true. Because the only way to have holiness exhibited through my members is to have the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit in my own personal heart to bring it about. It's the fruit of the Spirit, and it's I need to be holy, and it's the Holy Spirit. So I need His help because I can't do it on my own. The only thing that I see when I try to do it is unholiness. So I need that, and the only way to get the help of the Holy Spirit on a continual basis is to place my faith in Christ and what He's done at Calvary. Yeah. And when I do that, I untie the Holy Spirit's hands, and He can work in my heart and in my life to bring about what? Holiness. Yeah. See, holiness in itself is not wrong. How we arrive there is what's been taught wrong. Yeah. 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 Well, we need holiness. And the only way to arrive at holiness is law. That's really yeah. not a bit Yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly right. And we say, well, that this holiness movement, but holiness, and nothing wrong with holiness. It's how you arrive yeah. there, how to produce it that's been taught wrong, that we haven't understood. The way to have holiness produced in your life is through faith and grace. Not law. Right. Faith and grace. The physical body of the believer put at the disposal of God is holy. Both in the sense of being set apart for His use, because that's really what holy yeah. means, being set apart. So both in the sense of being set apart for His use and holy in the sense of being used for pure and righteous purposes and thus 
free from sinful practices. So, grace is not a way for you to just live in sin. It's a way for you to live free from sin. Service means the service of worship of God according to the requirements of the Levitical law. Paul used the word here to speak of the believer in a sense, serving as a priest unto God, but yet not as the Levitical priest offering a burnt sacrifice which was apart from themselves, but rather a living sacrifice which is not only a part of themselves, but also entails the giving of ourselves in connection with the giving of our bodies to the service of God. We belong to God. Every part of my body belongs to God. It's every part of my body is meant for the worship of God. It's meant to be used by God. It's meant to be an instrument of righteousness, not unrighteousness. Because of everything that I have in Christ, because of everything that you have in Christ, because of what Christ has done, I beseech you, brother, do not have your tongue yield to gossip. Which, because that is allowing your body to be used as an instrument of unrighteousness. Yeah, oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Good. I didn't say tame it. Mm. Yeah. I said don't allow. Because of what Christ has done, you don't have to allow it to dominate you. Because Christ has already set you free from that. Amen. You've been crucified in Christ. You struggle with the gossiping tongue. You've been crucified in Christ. To that. He set you free. Which means you don't have to present your members of your body to the sin nature to be used in that way. And if you fail to do that and you find yourself gossiping, see, now you'll think of it a little differently. (laughs) Whoa, I'm yielding my members. Let me take a step back. What you this what won't happen is oh my goodness I'm losing my salvation no I'm yielding my members and I don't have to yeah, yeah. I'm free from this yeah that's good I'm not a slave yeah. to her right, right. yeah I do not have to that's the biggest thing mm-hmm. but we don't like to admit that. I'm not going to admit I'm a slave to say, oh no, 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 that, that, it's just a struggle. I'm not a slave to it. Mm-hmm. Well, you can believe that, but that's not what scripture says. So, which way are you going to go? Are you going to go with what you think because it makes you feel a little bit better about yourself? Or are you just going to say, you know what? I'm being dominated. And I can't do this on my own. I can't stop. 
Oh, I need some help. And you know where the Holy Spirit, if it's really the Holy Spirit, you know where He's going to take you. To the cross. Calvary. He's not going to take you somewhere else. That's not the Holy Spirit if it gives you something else. That's right. If you had a problem with gossip, Lord, I can't, I can't defeat this. I need help. And then you have a thought or whatever you feel like the Lord is. Well, I feel like the Holy Spirit led me to this. If I pray in tongues when I feel gossip coming on, then I'll get the victory. Even though it sounds good and it's even scriptural to pray in the Spirit. What you find won't happen is victory because that's not how God has set it up. And that's how people get deceived most of the time. Because it sounds so good. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Pray in tongues. If I'm praying in tongues, brother, guess what I can't be doing? Gossiping. Amen. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit revealed that to me. Well, he revealed that you've been crucified, actually. Yeah. So it's his. Yeah. Yeah. Christ. That Christ already did it. The problem is that you don't believe it. That's, that's really the crux of the matter. You don't really believe it as much as you say you do. We're never mature as we think we are. I think... Praise God, all of my faith is in Christ and the cross. Nothing else. Until God allows something to come around in my heart and life that shows me that you don't believe that I've taken care of this already. And you keep yielding your member to this even though you're free from it. That's a faith problem. Yeah. It doesn't mean, it's not that the work hasn't been done. It's just you don't Believe it as much as you think you do. When it came to your salvation, your sins being washed away, a preacher preached that the blood of Jesus cleanses all your sin. You believe that, you said yes to Jesus, and somebody can tell you something different, and you'd be like, No, I know, praise God. My sin is gone. I can feel it. <laughs> My sins are gone. And if nobody could convince you otherwise. You just, you knew the weight was lifted. You knew, oh, praise God, I'm saved. <laughs> yeah. And my sin really is gone. Yeah. In the sense that it's cleansed. Yeah. I know what I did. The problem is, in the sanctification process and victory over things in our lives, we don't seem to believe quite like we did. When we first got saved. We believe it. Especially now that you've learned it. And I see this in my own life. I believe it. But. Lord help my unbelief. I believe. But help my unbelief. I know that God has delivered me from this. But I'm not seeing it in my life. Keep believing. Keep walking. Keep trusting. Maybe maybe haven't you seen it right away. And maybe your faith just isn't mature enough. But either way, the answer is still the same. 
Keep believing. Keep your faith placed in Christ and what He's done. And eventually, that's the only way to get your faith to mature anyway. So just keep it there. Keep, as Paris said, just stay right there. Don't go anywhere else. Don't try anything else. Just stay right there. Yeah. I, it reminds me of a song. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. The problem is we don't get deliverance. Or we don't see it. I'll say it that way. We don't see it in our life as soon as we think we need to see it. Sometimes God allows it to hang around for you to grow. In order for you to grow, for your faith to be strengthened. If everything was just that easy. Oh, yeah, we'd be spoiled <laughs> It's still it is still a fight, but a fight of faith. Right. A fight of faith. Nowhere in scripture do you see fight sin. Right. Yeah. But you do see fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight to keep believing. Fight to stay in the faith. What Jesus did is enough. Yeah, but brother, you still got such and such. In. Jesus already did it. And one day, I'm going to see it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. He may not come when you want him. But he'll be there right on time. He's an on time God. Yes, he is. Mm. Okay, the word conformed means molded by outside pressure. So now we see uh, that the, to present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Conform means molded by outside pressure. So do not be conformed to this world. The word world is the floating mass of thoughts, opinions, uh, maxims, speculations, hopes, impulses, aims, aspirations at any time current in the world. Just a really, I'll give you a really good example. If you want to have a good life, you need a good job that you make a lot of money. And if you have that, you will have a fulfilled life. That's a worldly mindset. Yeah. Another worldly mindset. Chase after your dreams. Worldly mindset. Worldly thought process. Do what's best for you. Do what makes you happy. <laughs> worldly mindsets. Worldly thought processes. See, that's really true. Worldliness is not just a Bro, you're worldly because you got on brown shoes. My goodness. I got brown shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you you should have had black shoes. <laughs> Just some of the stuff would come up. Worldly, if you go watch movies. You can go to the movie theater and not have a worldly mindset. You cannot go to the movie theater because you think it's wrong and you got a worldly mindset. Which means you're worldly. 
Because it's not a doing a certain thing right. as much it's as it a is mindset. a mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Check. Do what's right for you. Do what you feel is best for you. Do what makes you happy. World and mindset. Mm -hmm. So your whole life is built around that mindset. I'm going to do what makes me happy. And that's what the Lord wants. The Lord wants your happiness. So do what makes you happy, brother. After all, the Lord wants to see His children what Father wouldn't want to see. So we just hook it all up, wrap it all up in a nice religious, biblical bow. Even though there's 50,000 scriptures that blow that out of the water, but we just pick and choose what we want. Because it fits my will. I mean, uh, <laughs> this is the ministry that I want for me. See, you can be worldly mindset even when it comes to the things of God. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. God wouldn't call me to be no Sunday school teacher. Oh, you thought that the best thing about God was self-promoting you and your <laughs> worldly mindset. But we just make it all sound so good. See, worldliness is a mindset more than just actions per se. We just focus on actions and that's what we say in worldliness. Worldliness is the enthronement of something other than God as the supreme object of man's man, that's sloppy <laughs> of man's interests and affections. Your job, your career choice. Well, this is what I want to do with my life. Never considering the will of God. And your whole life is wrapped up in chasing after that interest. Worldliness. And yet in the church, this is how we get around that. We just promote. But look, brother, the Lord probably wants to bless you with a job like that so you can give more to His work. Amen, brother. Praise God. <laughs> Feel that. Never saying what, what a true godly minister that's being led by the Spirit would say this. What does God want for you? Right. Have you sought the Lord for His will for your life? Right. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Not how big your tithe check is. Right. Ain't y'all ministers all about time? I'm about the will of God for your life. Right. And I can say this 100% confident. My dad is the exact same way. Even if it meant that the Lord moved you to another church. My dad wants God's will for your life. And if that was God's will for your life, that's what he wants. That's, it. Mm -hmm. that's the most important thing. Now how big his church is. Now, how many people come on Sunday morning? Are you in God's will for your 
life. That's the most important thing. Transformed means the act of a person changing his outward expression from that which he has to a different one, an expression which comes from and is representative <coughs> of his inner being. So do not be conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, so transform. Now we see, now I'm going to give you a biblical example of transform. The same word is used for the transfiguration of Christ. He was fully God, but didn't express what was on the inside while on earth. He expressed his humanity. So Jesus is fully God, 100% God, 100% man. And while on earth, he, the outward expression was always his humanity. But he never ceased to be God. That was always still there on the inside. So when the Mount of Transfiguration comes, he's transformed. And on the outward, what is expressed is what was always there on the inside, his deity. On the Mount of Transfiguration, he was in glorified state. That's what we see. Some of the, it, it was a white like no, it couldn't be, nothing could be bleached that white. Was, it, that was just an outward expression of what he was on the inside. He was 100% God. Paul is saying, change your outward expressions, your attitudes, your demeanor, your conduct, your ways, your directions, your habits, your patterns, your ambitions, everything you had before salvation was an expression of what you were on the inside. Lost, sin nature, depraved nature. That was an expression of your depraved nature which was on the inside. Change it to an expression of your new divine nature that you have in Christ. Because what Christ has done, we, you have a new nature. You have the divine nature living on the inside of you. So Paul is saying, be transformed. Don't be conformed to the world. But be transformed. Let the outward expression show what new nature you have on the inside of you. And this is possible by the renewing of the mind. That's how to do it. The renewing of the mind. You have the divine nature on the inside of you. Stop expressing the depraved nature. Born again believer. Doesn't mean you're not saved. Doesn't mean you don't have it on the inside. But you're expressing on the outside the old man. He's saying, quit doing that. You, you got a new, you got the divine nature, the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. In, through Calvary, He's given you a new nature, a new heart. 
That's what should be expressed on the outside. The mind has to be renewed. The mind has to be renewed. Can I give it an illustration that I've heard some years ago by a man by the name of Malcolm Smith who helped, he helped me see this in a different way or, or helped me understand this. In my own thinking, you know, we sometimes, and we talk about this a lot in this class about how that after we're saved, sometimes we find ourselves following after the old patterns and 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 uh, and then trying to figure out how to gain victory over that and doing it the wrong way, like you're talking about. But that's kind of what he's talking about here. And he he described how that if you know if you have uh, ruts or ditches dug in in the ground. Water is going to automatically do what? Follow that. It's going to automatically follow that. Anytime water comes in, it's going to follow the the ruts, the ditches, or whatever that's dug out automatically. And so our brain is like that. We have patterns in our brain uh, of the old ways of doing things, the old ways of thinking, the old life, and so everything just follows that pattern. And so what Paul is saying here is that. That has to be transformed so that new ditches are dug, so to speak, that follow after the new nature, God's nature in your life. And so that has to be transformed. And he said the same thing you just said about how it doesn't mean you're not saved. It means that you have to change. You have to allow the transformation to happen. And uh, one of the things that uh, also... That the that is very important for us to know is that it says don't be conformed to this world, uh, but be transformed. We also shouldn't try to be conformed or to conform people to the church either, because that's not the way either. That's law to conform because to conform to the church is not the way to go either. Yeah, it's to right. be transformed by the Holy Spirit. Right. You know. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> oh. By the renewing of your mind tells us this the how. So renewing of your mind is not just addition of biblical information. Right. That is not how you renew your mind. Your mind. Well, you just read five chapters a day, baby. And that's how no, that's not. True renewal of your mind is to not see yourself, but to see Jesus and what he has done. Right. So true renewal of your mind takes place when you have the right object of faith. Right. Yeah. You begin to think differently. In everything. It affects everything. I can attest to this. Sarah can attest to this. When you begin to really see and learn the message of the cross. Everything that you have in Christ, that you're justified, imputed righteousness. When you begin to go the way of Calvary, you just think differently. Yeah. And it's natural. Yeah. You, it, you're not having it, you don't try. When sin comes before, that temptation will never eat. You can probably name a list of different things you try. Then when it comes to the message of the cross, I don't have to do that. 
Christ has already delivered me from this. We don't, I'm not saying we do it perfectly. But you do begin to think differently. Yeah. You met, you blow it, you bite off a big old piece of stupid. And you sin. And you just blow it. I used to be like, oh my goodness, oh look, weep for four hours. Lord, forgive me. Please don't throw me away. I gotta pray enough. I gotta be, I gotta really be sorry, Pastor. Yeah. If I'm not really sorry, God's not gonna forgive me. I've got to really show that I'm, I'm sorry, I'm mourning my sin, and I've just sat off in ashes for months. Because that's how God's really gonna know that I'm just sorry and not because if you're really not sorry then you're not getting forgiven and that's not and then now the message of the car I bite off a big old piece of stupid and I sin first move Lord forgive me Lord forgive me Lord forgive me Lord that I didn't depend upon Calvary forgive me for that first yeah. Forgive me that I didn't look to the cross when this came. Because that was where the first mistake was made which led to the rest. Forgive me that I didn't depend upon what you've done for me to not give in to this. And because I didn't, I failed. And now forgive me for the act of sin that I've committed. And then after that, because of Calvary and what I have in Christ. And Lord, thank you for the righteousness that I still had, even when I blew it. Thank you that you never took the robe of righteousness from me. Yes. Because you gave it to me, not because I did or didn't do anything. But you gave it to me because of what Christ did. Yes. And yes. because I believed in it. So even when I was right in the middle of my sin, I still had the robe of righteousness. And you didn't take it from me. Yes. Just make you happy. Yes. Wait, gone. No condemnation. Thank you, Lord, that you did pay for the victory over this. And I might have bought it today. But your mercies are new every morning. And I might blow it again tomorrow. But there's going to come a day. Well, I'm not going to blow it in this area. Because you've already given me the victory. That... Because of Calvary, I can have a spirit like Joshua and Caleb. Even though they're giants in the land, Lord, you've already given it to me. Lord, you've already given me the victory over this. That's in the promised land for me. You've already given me the victory over this gossiping tongue. I might not possess it right now. But that's a part of my inheritance. Yes. 
That's a part of the promised land. And even though I see the giant of gossip possessing an area of the promised land, we're able to go up and take the country yeah. and possess the land from the Jordan to the sea. Though the giants may be there, our way to hinder. My God has given us the victory through Christ Jesus. That giant will fall. Amen. And I'll possess that part. And then we'll move on to another part that I don't yet possess. But because of Calvary, I can say, no, we're able. Yeah. I'm able. I might not possess it today. Though the battle seems long, 
one day, it'll be gone. Yes. And we're not talking about just about amen, brother, when the rapture happens. No, no, no. I'm talking about right now. Yeah, that's right. In this life. See, that's God's goal. Yep. This yep. life. Not yep. just when you glorify. When you glorify it. <laughs> Praise God. It's going to be great. <laughs> but we're talking about right now. The problem is, we're still here right now. We need it now. Yeah. So if we just focus on being glorified, that's great. Glorification is great. It is all going to be gone, but I need some help right now. Yeah. Sanctification. Praise God for glorification. Yeah. But right now, I need grace in sanctification. Help me with that. I'll get to glory. That's right. Help me with that. Mm. The goal is the perfect will of God, and in fact, the only goal in our in one's life should be. Mm -hmm. 